Mark's entire purpose is to show us and tell us who Jesus is. And we get uh, chapter after chapter and week after week we're looking at how people respond to Jesus when he shows up and he teaches and he does miracles and, and all of these things that he does as he interacts with folks. I was reminded this week of a time, I don't know if you're a parent, if you've ever had these moments where you have labored uh, to instruct your children about things that are important for them to know, and at the same time realize they, they heard you, but they didn't hear you. They nodded at you, but did not understand. I remember one of the things we um, taught our children early on, maybe you've taught your children this, is that you don't put metal in a microwave, right? I mean, that's bad. I, I personally, I've never done it. I just, I trust, I mean, it was told to me, I trust it, I pass it on to my children. Don't put metal in a microwave. So, we're telling this, my son's nodding, I think that my children understand this. We leave them alone one night, we were in that phase where we had enough older, more older kids than younger kids in the house. We went out on a date. They're there fending for themselves. And my son had decided he was going to make himself some dinner. And he was really into the um, hungry man stew thing. Leslie used to buy those. that would be in there. And so what he decides is he's going to open that thing up, opens it up, and then just takes the can and sets it in the microwave. That's not good, as it turns out. We get a panicked phone call. Uh, my daughters are crying. Um, that, that, you know, it, it, just short of a world-ending event took place on 1211 Watkins Street that night. He heard it, but he didn't hear it. It, I don't know, it wasn't so much that he didn't believe me. It, maybe he didn't. But there is a reality in his life now that he knows and knows, knows that you don't put metal in a microwave. There's a, there's a sense in which what Jesus is doing in Mark chapter 4, and he, Matthew records it in Matthew 13 and Luke records it in Luke chapter 8, is that Jesus is going to teach and he's going to teach in parables and in riddles, if you will. And he's teaching about the kingdom of God, and there's a sense in which Jesus knows things that I say, there will be people that hear them, but they won't hear them. There will be people that see, they look straight at me, but they don't, they don't see, they won't perceive that when the kingdom of God, when the gospel of Jesus is laid out before people, there will be people that hear it. There will be people that see it, but they don't hear it, and they don't see it. And he's going to instruct the disciples, this is what it looks like in someone's life and in someone's heart to see but not see. In fact, Mark's going to bring this up later again, and several times between now and the time we get to the cross of people seeing but not seeing and hearing but not hearing. And so, I want to read, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read out of Mark 4. I'm going to read the first 20 verses, 
It's the parable of the soils, the, uh, the, the mega parable, if you will, the, the one that stands as the gateway to all the other parables, not only in Mark, but in, in Matthew and Luke too. And then I'm going to skip to the end of the chapter, and I want to read a story that Mark tags on at the end of Jesus' teaching of the parables. And then I want to bring both of those stories together. So this is how Mark records it, beginning in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat uh, in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in the parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. It's an important word, by the way. Thirteen times, hear or listen or behold, or it's going to show up in this chapter. Listen. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no gain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But those outside, everything is in parables. But for those outside, everything is in parables. And then he's going to quote from Isaiah chapter 6. And he says this, So that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones who's sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things in, uh, enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Then Jesus will tell three more parables, and then this is how Mark ends this scene. Verse 35. 
On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Why have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? If you would, would you bow with me? Father, I pray you'd help us this morning as we hear the parables, as we see the miracle. And at the center of it all, if you're calling us this morning to hear, to listen, to to have faith, to trust you, to believe what you say. So, Father, help us to do that this morning, and we pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Spirit. Amen. So, eight times in this passage, in what we read in the three parables we didn't read, the Mark's going to use the word parable. The, the word uh, literally means to, to cast or, or to throw, and, and you put it alongside, to, to cast alongside, to, uh, to, to throw something alongside another thing. It, it means that I'm going to tell you a story that has an, uh, uh, that, that's grounded in an earthly picture, but it's going to have a heavenly meaning. It's, it's an illustration, and in some ways, it, it reads like, like a riddle. And so, he begins with this parable of a sower. And the, the image Jesus uses is the image of a farmer walking in his own field. You know, he's not, it's not a king. It's, it's not an emperor standing in a palace issuing decrees. It, it's, a, it's a farmer walking amongst the field. And the seed is the word that is sown. Jesus sowing his word, and, and there's a lot of things wrapped up into that theologically when you think about what's going on in the New Testament, that, that as Jesus speaks, he's, he's giving the gospel, he's announcing the kingdom, he is the king, the kingdom is coming, he's, he's the one who's crowned by the Father. Not only is he giving the word, but we find out in John's gospel, he is the word. So he's sowing that word in the soil. You find out in Matthew's gospel, the soil is our heart. And, and so it's, it's the word, and, and it's how the heart hears the word in our own lives. 
So the word of Jesus, the gospel, it comes to our heart, to our life. And now what he does is he gives a picture of how the seed is received, how it's heard, how it's accepted. Pay attention, Jesus says. Listen, behold. And then he gives us the purpose. And the purpose there was, we read it, it was from Isaiah 6. It's a way in which you find out who's on the inside, who's on the outside, who's really listening, and who's, who's sort of listening. Who's listening and believing, hearing and accepting. And for who is, are these just words amongst other words? Is this just one offer amongst many? So the parable of the souls is like, it's like this, this warning, like a test. Jesus wants the hearers to examine themselves. But what kind of hearers are they? What, what kind of soil are you? Well, there's the soil, the, the path, the, the, the hard-hearted. But beware of listening with a hard heart, you know, intellectually hearing only. You know, the, the claims of Christianity is just a theory, and it must be proven or, or disproven, to, and the seed sits on, on top, and, 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 and the soil never knows the power of the seed. You, you demand to see the power of the seed before the seed takes root. That's unbelief. It's the seed that that sits out there but never takes it. You, you never experience the power, but you, you demand that the power be evident. It's not how the seed works. You, the, the truth that you seek doesn't come from examination. It doesn't come from dissection. It comes from faith. And, and the hardness of a heart won't Take the seed in. But if that's you this morning, you know, hard heart. Maybe you've been watching, looking, listening, peering into this Christianity, and you you demand more evidence. You you want to know more. Listen, the the invitation is is to take this thrilling risk and be overwhelmed by God who's all-powerful, all-loving, all-gracious, God over all creation, T taking a risk to, to, to suffer that there's this greater truth than your own truth. To say, you know, I, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe there is something beyond me. Maybe there is something yet to overwhelm me. Maybe transformation isn't something that initiates with me. Transformation has to come from the outside. Maybe it's not a, a hard heart. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a rocky ground, a, a shallow heart, an emotional heart, re receives with joy. You know, and it, he says it springs up, it's, it, it, it's excited. 
But the description is that there's no depth. The seed takes no real root in the heart. It's a genuine euphoria, but nothing's happened at the heart level. So the sun comes up, gets hot. Though they've said Christ has changed their life, very excited about him, troubles come in, suffering comes in. Find yourself easily saying, well, what use is Christianity then? What use is Jesus? If I suffer these things or lose these things, it's a hearing, it's a receiving of Christ, but not, not trying to enter into Christ's kingdom. It's trying to bring Christ into my kingdom. I, I want someone to bless me. I, I don't need to be saved. I, I want to be blessed. I have problems that need to be solved. Not a salvation that needs to be accomplished for me. When I perceive that my needs are met, there's joy. But if things heat up, you find that what you really worshiped gets burned. See, the problem is, is not knowing what your real need is. If you don't know what your real need is, you can't experience what a real heart change means. That your real need is, is not the problem of today. The real need you have is the problem of eternity. It is a sin problem. It's seeing problems as the circumstance here and now. It needs change or I need relief. It's not a point of desperation for salvation because of an awareness of your sin. Charles Spurgeon said it great. He said it this way. He said, the parable does not refer to ground with stones in it, such as we commonly call a stony ground, for that'll grow corn well enough, but to soil where... There was a hard rock underneath and only a very thin covering of the earth. A hard pan of iron rock was at the bottom. It was barely hidden by the little mound created by the moss and the dirt, enough to catch the seed and make it germinate, but not enough to feed its root for any length of time. In these people, their hearts have never been broken. broken to the place of being desperate to be saved. Well, he gives a picture of a thorny ground, a divided heart, a distracted heart. Let's call it that. This, I think, is the saddest of all three groups. The first two groups, listen, it's easy to see the, the shortcoming of those. This group, there seems to be this this seed root in the heart. I mean, it, it's something that, that grows, but it's not the only thing that grows. The, the problem is there are other things that are deeply rooted in the heart as well. A heart divided. Maybe a heart that truly desires to be devoted to Christ, that truly desires to receive the Word, to receive the King. But that desire finds itself totally choked out by all the other things that control the heart. So there's desire, maybe real desire, but no power, no healing, no change, no 
fruit in your life. You're, you're miserable. You, you're the most miserable of all because your life is tethered to a world that you are hanging on to. A world that's hanging on to you. Still believing it has something great to offer. Still afraid, still insecure to let go of that and embrace wholly what God would have. There's a misery that comes with that. An anxiety that comes with that. Restlessness, a boredom that comes with that. And then there's the good soil. The broken and tilled and turned over soil of the heart, the the hearing heart, the the seeds taken root. You know the gardener. You know the the work of the one who sows, the the fruit, the pruning, the the faith. You know what it is to be cared for and nourished and and cherished and enriched and, and the strength of the word taking root in your heart. You know, reading God's word, you you experience this word implanted in your heart being drawn to the surface of your life. It grows, it bears fruit. Maybe, Maybe it's not full understanding. But it's a growing faith. In college, probably like many of you, and if you were hanging around the church and hit 20 years old and were introduced to C.S. Lewis, you read Mere Christianity or, or tried. Took me several times through it and probably a couple of decades to finally get to the last page. But what's interesting, when you get to the last page of Lewis's treatise on Christianity, the very last page, the very last paragraph, it says this. At the end of the day, there must be a real giving up of the self. The principle runs through all of life from top to bottom. Give up yourself, and then you'll find your real self. Lose your life, and you will save it. Submit to death, the death of your ambitions and favorite wishes. Submit to that death every day, and the death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you'll find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself. You'll find in the long run only hatred and loneliness despair and rage, ruin and decay. But look for Christ, and you'll find Him. And with Him comes everything else. It's Lewis's conclusion. 
Mere Christianity is about him going to the hard place and realizing that so many things he's hanging on to in his life, the, the places where his heart is shallow, the places where his, his heart has, has uh, given root to the, to the, to the thorns, the, the things that threaten the faith that he so deeply desires. At the end of the day, it's about giving it all. Trusting, hearing, believing, accepting. This is what Jesus says in verse 20. This is how, so the point of it is those who hear and accept. Hear it, accept it, believe it. Well, so what does this look like? Well, he's going to tell a parable about a lamp under a basket that essentially says, listen, here's the meaning of it. You, you, you use it or, or, you, or you lose it. You, you make use of what has been given to you or it will be taken away from you. Goes on to the next parable about a, uh, the, the seed growing which essentially Jesus is saying, and ultimately at the end of the day, we can't understand, we can't fully explain how God works in our lives. Sometimes we can't even observe the process of transformation, although we'll see the results. What we can do, however, is believe that God is at work in His Word in our life. In fact, Isaiah 55, Isaiah writes all about the power of the Word of God after God tells Isaiah, listen, my ways aren't your ways. My, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. And when I send my Word, my Word will accomplish what I sent it for. And he goes on and he gives this picture at the end of Isaiah 55 that this, this Word, this living Word, has the ability to turn tumbleweeds into evergreens to take what is dead and bring it to life, everlasting life. In the mustard seed, you find that you know, what looks small, it's not small. It's going to cover and fill the whole earth. That's the end game that Jesus is after. Well, so after this teaching, Mark says on that same day, after a long day of teaching, they get in the boat and they're going to go to the other side. They're going to go to the other side. And I can't wait till next week till I can tell you what this other side means. It's, it's crazy where Jesus is going. But he's going to take them in the boat. They're going to go to the other side. This is the Sea of Galilee. So they get into the boat. Jesus has been teaching all day. This, it's what you do. You, you teach. This is exhausting. I know this looks so effortless, you know what I mean? But it's exhausting. And it's very biblical. You teach and then you take a nap. So don't call me at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Unless you're in a storm. But I can't do anything about that either. So Jesus is taking a post-sermon nap in the boat. They're going across the, the other side in the middle of the lake. There's a storm that comes up, and this storm is a violent storm. It's, the, it's when the, the winds come out of the north, off the, 
uh, off the, uh, the, 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 the mountaintops and, and it comes down into the plain and, and hits the Sea of Galilee, which is 600 feet below sea level, and it creates in, in moments and in minutes, this, this storm rolls in and you had no idea. And that's what they find themselves caught in. And these are fishermen who've been in a storm before, but this must have been a bad, bad, bad storm. What Mark's doing is he's connecting this, this Jesus calming the storm to the parables just taught. In some, in some ways, it's when theology moves from the coffee shop to the waiting room. You know, you're sitting around Starbucks over a caramel macchiato talking about all the theology and the you know, the problem of evil and suffering and predestined, you know, all the things you talk about in the coffee shop. So when that conversation finds its way into the waiting room or the doctor's office or the, the late night marriage conversation you have, that you dread it all day after the kids go to bed. The painful evening of a rebellious child in a rebellious moment. Your heart aches and you think, how can I ever get through to them? It's when theology hits those moments. That's the picture that he's giving us. In fact, Spurgeon if I can quote him again, he says, How much there is of godliness which is useful for anything except that which is meant for it. It's all in vain for me to say if I've bought a waterproof coat that's good for everything except keeping the water out. Why then is it good for nothing? And so there are some Christians who have got a religion that is good for every day except the day when it has to be tested. And then it's good for nothing. If you only have a good Sunday morning theology, you don't have a theology that's, that's there in the moment that you can draw on, the parables, listen, they're for you, they're for me. We've got to examine ourselves. Jesus has been teaching about the hidden kingdom at work in their lives and the evidence of God's transformation coming to light and being made manifest. And here, this, this miracle, this moment on the sea, you find there are actually two storms taking place. There's a storm that's happening on top of the water. There's also a storm that's happening in the hearts of the disciples. And the winds and the waves, and the, and the, and the, and the waves are breaking in and, and, and filling the boat. Jesus is asleep while the disciples are perishing. You hear it in their in the voice. We're supposed to hear it. They're, they're ticked off. They want to know, why, why Jesus, aren't you doing anything? And so Jesus awakes. He rises. Says, peace. Be still. Now, what I hear 
this, the word of Jesus. And then he turns to the disciples. And he begins to examine them. Well, why are you so afraid? Well, where'd your faith go? In Mark's gospel, fear and faith, they're like oil and, and water. And you wonder if that moment the disciples are smart enough to make some personal connections about being rootless soil with shallow hearts undone by the tribulation of a storm. I mean, you can imagine the disciples leaving the sermon, getting on the boat, maybe thinking about themselves, well, good soil gets to ride in the boat. The other soil gets to walk around. Getting on the boat talking about, well, how, how many notes? I got, I got three pages of notes of what Jesus said today. Peter going, well, that's pretty good. I've got eight. Probably write a couple of letters out of them. Feeling so good about themselves as good soil in the moment the storm comes up, the moment the persecution hits, the moment the tribulation happens. Jesus says, why are you afraid? What's going on with your faith? Here's what's amazing. They get to see what it looks like when you hear and accept God's Word. When you hear and accept the gospel of Jesus, they get to see firsthand in creation, in nature, what that looks like. When Jesus rises and says, peace, be still. What did the text say? Well, not only did the storm stop, the water became smooth as glass. supernatural. There's a supernatural divine power. But Mark's giving us what we call a theophany. We're coming away from this going, oh man, Jesus really is God. Only God can do this. In fact, the disciples, they say, oh, who is this? Who is this man that even the wind And the waves, what's the word? Obey. You know what we miss in the English text, and it's easy to find. You just, you look at it and get online. It's the same word for here. Jesus has been telling all his hearers. He's been telling the disciples. He's been telling the crowds. I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me. Listen, behold, take notice, open your ears. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands up, says to the storm, peace, be still. And you know what? The storm and the waves hear him and accept him and believe him. The the wind and the waves, they are instructed by Jesus and they listen. And they respond, they obey. 
So in the wind and the waves, they didn't calm themselves. They responded to the power that was exerted on them. When Jesus says in verse 20, hear and accept and bear fruit, this is what it means. You respond to the power that is being exerted upon you. This is how we hear. It's the, it's the do, what's the doing part? It's yielding to the power. It's hearing, it's believing, it's, it's responding to his power. Listen to Psalm 107. It gives us a picture of this. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad the waters were quiet. He brought them to their desired haven. 1,000 years before Jesus does this, in the middle of the water on the Sea of Galilee, the psalmist writes about that experience. Paul will write in Ephesians 9 of the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us that believe. I'll tell the Philippians in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it guards your hearts and your minds and in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to, to hear? What does it mean to accept? The old hymn, Love So Amazing, So Divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You, you, you know, with your kids, when you have their will, but you don't have their heart, you have their will, you, you don't have their heart. They'll do what you say, but it is begrudging. It's not willing. See, until the message of the kingdom, until the gospel of Jesus, until you have seen and hear his power and, 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 and have bowed to that power and said, you're, the most, you're more powerful than the storms. You're more powerful than my desires. You, you reign over all things. Uh, until that message, until who Jesus is comes to your love so amazing, so divine, div divine demands my soul, my life, my all. You, you haven't touched the bottom of where you are. The most important thing, listen, some of you are so unhappy. Forget he's the soil. You're the soil. He's the gardener. You're in the storm, but he's in the boat. So I know you have thorns. Some of you saying, that's right, I have a lot of thorns. You have stones and rocks in your soil. Of course you do. You say, I don't know what to do about that. I've tried all the lists. I've done all the things. I switched the radio station. I, I mean, the soil's job's not getting the rocks out. That's the gardener's job what the sower does. You receive the word. You hear it. 
You know, you listen, you're not strong enough to transform the kind of soil that you are. You go to the garden. I say, God, your word's coming to me. And, and my soil's shallow, and I don't want it to be shallow. I have thorns in my life. I know there are things that my heart is tethered to that, that want to choke out all the other desires I would have towards you. This is confession. This is repentance. This is, I'm a sinner. You're my Savior. Go back to the Word, and you hear it, and you listen, and you reflect on it. You receive it. You obey it. And what do you hear Jesus say? Of course, that's what I'll do. It's his power, not your power. It's his hope, not your hope. You hope in him. You yield to his power. And Jesus looks and says, look, I, I took your thorns and became my crown took your rocks, I was buried under them. I've taken those things. That's why I came. The kingdom of God cometh by hearing. Believing. Accepting. Take heed how you hear. If you would, let's pray. Well, I pray you'd you do that in us this morning. We want to be those that hear. We want to receive the, the reality of, of your love and your power and your will for our lives that, that, that your Son came to save us, to forgive us our sins, to root out all of the things in this world, in our life, in our hearts, in our minds, that want to choke out the good news. Father, there's not a one of us in here that doesn't have shallow places in our heart. Not one of us in here that doesn't have thorns and weeds that threaten to choke out your good news. And Father, we're desperate for you to work in our lives, for your power to command the, the waves to be still, to say to the storm, peace. And Father, we would hear it, we believe it. would yield to your power in our life. Father, we pray for the kingdom to come into our hearts this morning and that we would continue to grow as disciples in the likeness of your son Jesus. Father, for those that have never done for those that are the hard soil that the seed sits on top. Father, I pray you'd break hearts this morning. And that the good news of your son would, 
would take root. Father, we ask this the only way we can. In the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Spirit.